Hello and welcome back to our Ghosts of El Paso game. We are super excited to like actually get started with this. Before we do, I forgot to mention this last episode, but uh, you can find us over on the actual place. That is our Discord where we love to hang out with all of our other actual play buddies. And you can come talk about the show with us. We really love to do it. Um, Jason, you have a you have a Discord too, right? I do, yeah. The Gauntlet Discord is a big, thriving Discord. We always have a lot of fun on there, and you should definitely come join us there. Yeah. Alrighty, with that, Jason, if you want to go ahead and get us back into this. Fantastic. So last time we introduced our first threat, as well as the characters who will be investigating this threat, our Vigilance Committee. The corset... So the way this game works is the game is... It operates off what we call questions and opportunities. So I know you all have played Brindlewood Bay. And mm -hmm. if you think about it, Brindlewood Bay kind of works the same way, except it only has one question, which is who did the murder, right? Mm -hmm. And then the opportunity is bring the, bring the killer to justice. It's not, it's not framed like that, but that's essentially what's going on. In The Between and in Ghosts of El Paso, we do, the, the questions could be anything, anything that the threat can imagine, right? Or anything that the writer can imagine. And so our questions and opportunities, you are going to, be gathering clues in order to answer the question. Once you've answered the question, you unlock the opportunity, and then you can pursue the opportunity. So right. we have two questions on this threat. The first is, what does the corset want? It's a complexity six, which we'll talk about what that means later on. And the opportunity that unlocks is resolve the threat by striking a bargain with the entity possessing the corset so that it moves on from El Paso. <laughs> oh boy. Alternatively, okay. alternatively, you can answer this question. How can the corset be controlled? It's a complexity eight. It's a little harder. The opportunity resolve the threat by subduing the entity possessing the corset. The corset can then be chosen as a reward. So doing that slightly harder question lets you have the corset as a as a tool That's for the cool. future. That's oh. cool. I love that. That is cool. This game also features all the between games feature this thing called the Janus Mask. It's an aspect of the game that lets us explore. This is how we explore, one of the ways we explore your character's backstory, right? So if you look at your character sheet, you have two sections for the Janus Mask. The first section is called the Mask of the Past. The second section is called the Mask of the Future. Here's the way this works. We'll, we'll go over it again when we need it in play, but I want to just kind of let you know now. I'm always going to go really hard against you. Die results might lead to death. Like if you fail the die roll, like it's that extreme. Mm. Right? I'm always oh going to. No oh boy. You'll notice there's no hit points or anything on the sheet, right? Nope. That's because if we negotiate it in the die roll, a, a failed die roll could kill you or destroy you, right? In one go. <laughs> God. But I'm gonna oh die. <laughs> but you have a very very powerful tool called the Janus Mask. At any time, after a die roll you can say you're going to put on a mask in order to bump up the result of the die roll. But you'll do that after I narrate the bad result. So I might narrate your hunter being crushed to death by the corset with your organs spewing out of your gullet. <laughs> and you might say, no, I'm going to put on a Janus mask. And so instead... <laughs> It's a little that bit seems like preferable. Yeah, mm -hmm. if you ever if you ever read like like okay like choose your own adventure books, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. you would like pick make the page choice. and you put you make your yep. choice, but you put but you put your thumb on the on the old page, right? So you can always go back, you know, yeah, you yeah. Pick yeah. the wrong one. <laughs> oh yeah, that's kind of what the Janus mask is. You get you get a do over, right? But in exchange for that, you have to do whatever the the thing says on the when when you mark it. So for the mask of the past, it usually involves telling us your backstory or via flashback, like you tell us. That's how we learn about your character. For the Mask of the Future, if you mark that, it kind of shows your character succumbing to the broader, darker forces of the setting. Mm. And indeed, the very last mark, the blood-soaked portal, is how your character is permanently removed from the game. And so, so that is what, that's what that is. There's also an aspect of the Janus Mask on each threat. And so our aspect of the Janus Mask for the corset is called the Mask of Beauty. 
I won't tell you what it does until someone chooses to use it, but it can only be picked once. So. Oh. Hmm. So that is available as well. The Mask okay. of Beauty. And just to make sure I understand, that can be chosen at any time instead of the normal. It can be chosen uh, to bump options. up a die, to bump up a die roll. Okay. Yeah, and you can choose the Mask of Beauty in addition to past or future, as you wish. Okay. Gotcha. Sweet. If we if this was a campaign and we were doing multiple threats at once, you could only choose it if you were actively investigating that threat. So. Okay. But in this instance, it it doesn't matter. So. All right. So I'll make a little note of the Mask of Beauty that you have that available. And like I said, once someone chooses it, then I'll tell you what it does. And with all that said, we'll begin play. The Between uses a phase structure of play. The phases are day, dusk, night, and dawn. Day is like any other role-playing game. We follow you around, you make moves, we see how it goes. Dusk and dawn are like preparation and upkeep phases. And then night is kind of a really fast, intense, short phase meant to represent the danger of nighttime. And so we start in the day. What I like to do is, now that you've got the threat presented to you, you know what you have to go investigate. I like to just go around the table and see what everyone's interested in doing. And then we kind of figure out what the scenes look like from there. So I think what we'll do is we'll go around. We will start with our... Well, we'll start with the big man in town, the big woman in town, the bootstrapper, Miranda Wilder. (laughs) Miranda, what do you want to do to begin the day? Ooh, okay. So I think... I mean, I want to see this thing. Okay. So I heading, w- over, heading over to the Red Rock? I the, the corset. Yeah, sounds like a good plan. We'll go over to Jack Walker. Well, I think he has to take a moment to collect himself on this particular day because he has found himself in a physical body. In a new body, yeah. <laughs> and, and this is very strange. And you have a little boy in your house yes, as well. I, uh, <laughs> you know who he is. <laughs> I, I think he spends, the, he spends the morning, I think, just sort of stumbling around stumbling around this house investigating you know seeing this this you know the home forge and his and his cat earl now and surprise of all surprises this little boy and a child yes um (laughs) a child who for all you know is supposed to be there right you have no idea yes i have i have absolutely no idea jason i'm curious if he's just around there does he interact with me at all this morning as i'm you can. Yeah. Just, we, we can have a scene with him. Yeah, well, let's have that scene. Let me go over to Reverend Potter. What do you want to do today? I think I'm probably comforting my congregation, maybe paying some house visits as we just lost our uh, dear... Uh, oh, gosh. Well, it's a secret, uh, right? Oh, they, is it? They have the bodies in the... Yeah, they have the bodies yeah. in their root cellar because Ooh. they don't want anybody to know. Okay. Yeah, because they don't want to cause, cause any more of a stir than they need to. I am yeah. not comforting my congregation. <laughs> I am uh, stewing in guilt so that I have to uh, keep this uh, <laughs> news to myself. Um, well, their families oh probably know they're missing. You could, like, go talk to them. They don't need to know. Or there's, or, or honestly, just other employees of the Red Rock, right? I mean, there's got to be a yeah. lot of, like, people who do that. Yeah. And, like, were, mm-hmm. you know who probably need to be, because they know what happened, right? So Yeah, okay, yeah. so then maybe I would also be heading over there to uh, maybe see if anyone needs some uh, a, a listening some, ear. Some ministration, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's good. Yeah. It's a good place to do your, con- your confession move, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mr. Conrad. Yes, so um, Mr. Conrad still has a hustle to get on, so I think his day starts with... Uh, him trying to sell some land deeds, but he'll eventually uh, actually do his job and try to help out with this investigation. I think he's probably thinking the same thing that the Reverend is thinking and uh, wants to go talk to people that worked at this place. He's thinking there maybe is some kind of link that they don't know that might help us kind of determine how this is happening, so. Jack Walker, if it's okay, I think I'd like to sort of I think I'd like to rewind a bit and suggest that in this scene, you are right now discovering the boy. Okay. For the first time, if that works. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, so he's he's spent the first moments just staring at his own reflection in the mirror and sort of bending and stretching the skin, being like, this is so strange. And then all of a sudden he looks up and there's this boy standing in the doorway. And he he just looks at him and he... He's not really sure what to even say because he can speak, which is not something he's done in a very long time, if at all. And I think he just, like, raises a hand slowly towards him. Like, hmm, 
I, I, like, I, I don't know how to interact with this. The boy says nothing. He is, I think he has like kind of strawberry blonde hair. He looks healthy, a little dirty probably. And he's just sitting, like, or he's just kind of standing there and he's not sure, he doesn't, he seems surprised that you're surprised, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> and how old is the kid, by the way? He's probably like six. Mm. Oh. oh, young, young, oh boy, okay. And he just like holds out his arms like he wants you to like hug him or pick him up. What do you do? I think that this will be a moment to talk about at least one of my moves. I will say that I myself, I do not have any desire to physically touch him and I will tell you why, are you ready? Please do. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have a move here known as, this is one that uh, I was pretty much forced to take. I couldn't. <laughs> you have to have. I have to have this. Yes. Death incarnate. Death incarnate. You have a condition that can never be cleared, death touch. Any side character that makes contact with your bare skin will die right now. Oh. <laughs> right now. Oh no. Or later today, unless you actively try to prevent their death. Make the day and night move uh, at a disadvantage. If you mean for the, oh. if you mean for them to die, the keeper can declare they are protected by the wounded knight and shall instead live. If they do so, the side <laughs> character survival becomes a clue, or mastermind clue, keeper's choice. Oh boy! So, so that's so the boy is like trying to get your physical affection. He's expecting a hug oh, or something. No. And, and you're not. He he innately, of course, he knows he knows who he is, what he is. He he backs up very suddenly, like to the wall, and he he puts his he puts his hand up, basically, <laughs> basically to say stop. And I think his his lower lip quivers. Oh, oh no! And a little tear begins forming in his tear duct, and we're gonna see if you are. If you, if your cold god of death heart is affected by this, with a move <laughs> called the day move, the day move says this is a good opportunity to see how the game works. Excellent. The day move says, when you do something risky or in this case face something you fear, name what you're afraid will happen if you lose your your nerve here, like if you fail to keep this plan together, Jack. I think he he's seeing this human be terribly emotionally hurt by this and he he wishes he could but he knows what will happen but what he's afraid will 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 happen is that it, it's not so much oh boy i have to take care of i'll have to make sure that this kid doesn't die but it, it it's not like oh boy inconvenience to me it's like this child has a like looking at him i i bet i could just tell this child has a life that he is just starting out, and if I do this, I could I could hasten his ending. But you're you're ultimately afraid that you'll give in and and touch him, yeah. right? Is that the idea here? <laughs> at the at the moment, yeah, it's like especially because he's doing the you know the lip and the crying and oh, oh yeah, no. oh yeah. He he because I I will say this now that my character I don't think even in being the quote unquote host I don't think this particular incarnation, for lack of a better term, is a cold unfeeling. Nobody. He is a. He he knows his job and he will do it. But it is not easy to do sometimes. Case in point. <laughs> We're gonna roll the day move now that we know what the stakes are. You're gonna roll. I think because of the death touch condition, I'm gonna put you at disadvantage. Okay. And so you're gonna roll three dice. Take the two lowest and add your composure. Okay. First roll of the game. <laughs> That's a two and a five on the first two. And let me roll one more. Two, five, and five. Okay, so you got a right. seven, seven plus one is an eight, right? Yes. So the move says, on a seven to nine, I will tell you how your actions would leave you vulnerable and you can choose to back down or go through with it. Your actions, meaning ignoring the boy, you will be vulnerable because I think the little boy is going to go find sucker in the arms of Temperance Boone instead. Oh, who is Reverend Potter's landlord. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And she's insufferable, as we know. Okay. So if you're okay with that, oh, no. if you're okay with that, then we roll forward with it. 
Otherwise, touch him and kill him. <laughs> so those, those are the <laughs> you said you were going to go hard. <laughs> I mean, but, but but even if I do go forward with this, I, I I would have the chance to roll again to attempt to save him from possible death, right? No. If you, so, if you if you if you take basically if you if you if you go forward like if you like if you keep your success at a seven to nine you don't and you don't like you're 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 okay with the vulnerability is he's gonna go to temperance boon right then that's what happens if you decide instead to back down from what you're attempting which is to say go ahead and just give him a hug then we see what happens we roll to see if he actually dies yeah let him see temperance just let him go yeah uh, i think uh i think he decides that uh or i decide i should say that uh yes he can he can go to her just because i i don't want my character to potentially kill someone in the first five minutes please he sees that you're not gonna hold him and he gets like a really like angry look on his face and now you can see for the first time he had something in his hand it was it was like a card a card that he made for you and he crushes it man throws it down and then runs out and runs out of the house Jason, you're so mean. <laughs> Just the way we like it. I think in this moment he's run out, and I'm standing there, in the in like the living space, and he just heaves this sigh. He says, "This job is not easy." Reverend Potter, on your way to the Red Rock, Jack. Even you are aware of the of the threat. I think that like, at one point you were all gathered. You all know each other in a basic oh, way. Oh, we already know. Even, Okay. Yeah, even even yeah, even Jack Jack, even if you don't know who these others are, you were roped into the conversation earlier, so you know what's going on over the Red Rock. So we'll, maybe that's when he like manifested. Well, so yeah, well, so so yeah, so the um, Reverend Potter, as you're kind of making your way across the you know the sort of like Santa Fe Street or whatever, you see this little boy who you know to be Jack Walker's new ward. You don't know the exact the full story there, but there's something there. Little boy crying runs past you, runs into Temperance's house. And you'll meet up with Miranda and Maximilian because you all plan to go to the Red Rock. And so yeah. you can go straight there unless you want the scene, all three of you together first. I think it just leads me in that direction afterwards because he has no real other place to go at the moment. Yeah, Jack, you can you can join the group as well. You can all just kind of head over in that direction. But do we want the scene traveling to the Red Rock or do you want to just go straight to the Red Rock at this point? I kind of like uh, to talk to each other. Uh, we could we could travel yeah. as we we could talk as we walk uh, because you guys could pick me up at my uh, at my wagon. You can pick <laughs> yourself up. I'm not gonna pick you. Well, up. Well, no, I'm saying like uh, if somebody passes it, I could bite off. Shouldn't a piece you of my be skiing. picking people up if you have you the have wagon? the wagon? <laughs> well, no, it's stationary. It's All like right. I'm it parks, working yeah. out of it. Yeah. I think I'm probably standing like I I walk out of my uh, saloon, standing behind uh, maybe a Reverend Potter's house is like right next to mine. Well, it's not my house. Like my saloon. It's, it's, well, it's not house. It's yeah. landlord's house, whatever. <laughs> but like, I think it's funny if Temperance is like right next to the saloon. But uh, I, I think I come out and I, I kind of watch this child run across the street into Temperance's house, and I, I kind of just like give like a, a <laughs> and uh, I kind of turn towards the Reverend and say, "She's gonna make his life hell, isn't she?" Oh, pardon my, pardon my uh, person, <laughs> Reverend. I think I should remain impartial on the matter. And uh, I get kind of a sly smile on my face and uh, say, he told you anything about that boy? I don't know the full story, just that he's uh, looking after him, I guess. You think it looks like him? <laughs> Reverend kind of smirks a little bit. Gives a little, you know... Kind of half shrug of his shoulders. I realize I'm probably not going to get anything. And um, I walk past and I probably see Maximilian walking towards us. Well, uh, what I was what I was campaigning for is I think it'd be really funny if I could like paint a scene of what my scheme is. That maybe you guys walk past it on the way. Yeah, I, I was going to say like, I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk past you and try to walk faster past you. Okay. I, yeah, give us give us a show, Conrad. Let's like see in what, the mall, when you there's someone trying to yeah, sell yeah. stuff in the middle of the mall, and you purposely <laughs> like walk faster mm-hmm. and don't look at them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm walking past you and not looking at you, but you can you can react, however. Yeah, yeah. Conrad's got his uh, his wagon parked, kind of 
maybe at the entrance to an alley between some buildings that are a little bit wider spaced. So he's like in the middle of town. You see his, you know, his burgundy wagon with gold lettering painted on it. And it says Conrad's Consortium of Countryside Certificates. <laughs> and um, he's got like his little side door open today. And he's kind of like talking to a small crowd of people, some travelers maybe, or maybe even some townsfolk are kind of like listening to his speech. And he's just like, uh, yes, yes, yes. Step right this way. Listen, listen, all of you, you dreamers out there who want to live this American dream of having your own plot of land out east. Yes, I am selling prime deeds of land in New Mexico and I am selling them cheaply. I do not need this land. I have inherited it from my dearly departed father, Walter Conrad, oil magnate. He has left me with enough to feed myself, but I thought to myself when I inherited I should be spreading this to my fellow man and you people are going to benefit from this. And he's like kind of spinning this yarn and like kind of telling his like story of how he believes in the American dream. And like, he wants people to go build these lives out West and he wants to do his part, you know, to, to share his wealth with people around him. But, you know, of course he, you know, he says, this is still a business, you know, his father always said an overly generous man is a destitute one. So He's going to sell them cheaply than uh, wherever else they could find land deeds, I guess. But uh, he's uh, such a good person, you know, is kind of the story he's trying to paint here. I roll my eyes and keep walking. Yeah. But uh, (laughs) I think he sees you guys walking past and he knows that, like, because he was there earlier when we were kind of brought in on what's going on. So he knows that uh, it's time to do some investigating. So I think he wraps up his little speech and he says... um, Yes, yes, anybody who is willing to uh, buy right now, uh, I will take care of you right away. But uh, definitely take some time to think on it, folks. I will uh, be in town all week. Well, actually, he's probably going to be in town for longer than a week. He'll say, uh, I'll be in town all month. I think trailing behind them by a little bit, uh, he would see the person he knows is Jack Walker going by, looking uncharacteristically wide-eyed at this town that he's been <laughs> living in for his entire life. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Maximilian, once he like finishes up anybody who was like taking him up on his scheme, he'll uh, lock up shop, and uh, he'll kind of just sidle up to, uh, to you, Jack. And uh, he just says, um, you uh, know what those two are up to? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, what, which two? And he's kind of nodding towards uh, Miranda and the Reverend. Um, uh, so something about, something about the, the dress, the corset, and, and he's, he's kind of trying to reach back into his memory because Jason, the way I think of it is I like the idea that he did actually like manifest in that moment when he, when the, when the sulfur smell came to him is where. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah. I like it. Oh, that's, that's, that's really good. good. So then, yeah. so then like the previous events of that night, like the previous night or whenever, that's that was all blurred out, but he's having some hazy memory of like, yes, there was some otherworldly something, and now he's like, where was that? Where is it? And he sees these two, and he's like, I think I remember them from somewhere. Uh, yeah, I'll follow yeah. them. Maximilian uh, rescues you, and he says, uh, Ah, so they're uh, going to the uh, what's the name of the establishment again? The Jason? Red Rock Cantina and Dance Hall. Yeah, they're uh, probably going off to the Red Rock then to start uh, looking into that. Uh, Corset. He, he looks at you very sharply, looking uncharacteristically serious. He says, the Red Rock, is it? Where? Well, uh, they're making their way over there, it looks like, uh, so why don't we just follow them? Yes. Good. And he, he turns and, and... And he gives you a... He gives you kind of a, a smirk. You know, he uh, he doesn't know what's going on with you, obviously, but uh, you seem a little bit off, and uh, I don't know, he seems amused by this. Yeah. The Red Rock Cantina and Dance Hall is a long single story adobe building. The dance hall is an adjacent two story wooden structure with apartments on the second floor. So basically the cantina is the single story part and then right next to it is a wooden structure two story which is the dance hall, but it's all one business. In the day, the dance hall is not open though you can certainly wander over there from the cantina side if you wanted to. So you have to go in through the cantina during the day. When you go inside, and initially it's Reverend Potter and Miranda, you see barrels repurposed as furniture, uh, barrels being used as table vases, side tables, and low stools. The wall behind the bar is decorated with empty green and brown bottles, and there's a little space around the piano cleared for dancing. And the way this 
establishment works is the the dancers who are the girls that live and work there they the the, the gentlemen and sometimes ladies purchase tokens the token entitles them to a dance <laughs> essentially <laughs> so that's that's how it goes <laughs> but we're okay. we're gonna we're gonna now paint the scene paint the scene is a question that i pose to you all and in the answering of it, we get to learn something about the place that we're in, visually, but also sort of thematically as well. And so my question for the cantina is, what do we see that shows, as you're going in, and everybody gets to answer, what do we see that shows the dancers are treated like celebrities here? Hmm. 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 I think one thing we see is that on this um, as the dancers are on the stage periodically out of the out of the clientele out of the audience you're seeing uh roses occasionally and sometimes copper or silver coins being tossed <laughs> i think uh maybe they have taken uh, made, made use of the new technology of photographs and maybe they have photos of the different girls up like around the space I think there's like big, like outside of the building. I think there's big like posters uh, mm. right outside that have all their names and like a drawing of them. Not like a photograph, but like a drawing that have like their <laughs> names on it and, and kind of show them off that way. I think they have private dressing rooms. Like they each have their own dressing room inside somewhere with their name on the door. I like it. Which, we'll, which we might get to see in a bit as you continue exploring. <laughs> Here in the cantina portion, though, it's just it's essentially the bar, and then there's like just the piano with some with some some people early in the day who spend in dance tokens, you know, getting a dance. Diamond Dave is behind the bar. Diamond Dave came to you to the committee earlier today to tell you about what's going on, and he sees you and he says, "Well, I never thought I would see Miranda Wilder." deign to walk in through those doors but I guess I'm happy to have you. And she gives him kind of a fake smile and says don't flatter yourself Dave. Says, Well <laughs> I reckon this is a really good opportunity Miranda for you to take a look around and see how an establishment that's not so rough and ready as the jackalope is run. I think, I think you might be able to pick up a few pointers when it comes to hospitality and amenities. Or a few diseases. <laughs> he continues he continues wiping the bar he's a very slender man he wears a smart brown and white striped suit uh, a blue tie and a pristine white shirt his mustache is slightly curved up at the tips he gets a little quieter and says so you're here to you're here to help us out right I mean, this is committee work right and uh, she nods solemnly he's like alright then I'll, I'll keep my japery to to a minimum while you're here, but it really wouldn't hurt at all if you would arm Flapjack with a broom every now and then. Just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> arm him with a broom and a bucket of water, Miranda, and the jackalope would clean up real nice. And uh, she just kind of smiles and she says, well, you know, you've seen what happened last time he, uh, he was armed. Uh, he's like, that's what <laughs> that's I like about one. you, Miranda Wilder. You have a very, very dark sense of humor. <laughs> um, so how do you feel about bodies in the root cellar? You want to start there? <laughs> <laughs> and um, she kind of looks around and, and she looks at the others and, and kind of shrugs. And she says, I, I do want to see the garment, but uh, we can oh. start with the bodies. Uh, you can, I can, I can go get Lola. She can take you up to look at the, the garment if you want. We have it locked up. Are, are we all there together or since we two were behind the... Uh, the two of you can now be joining the, the group. Okay. What do you do, Reverend, while Miranda and Diamond Dave are tra trading jokes with each other, fr fr friendly, friendly jabs, what are you doing? <laughs> I think he politely uh, takes his hat off as he enters and is kind of uh, nervously kind of turning it in his hands as he looks around to see if he recognizes anybody uh, maybe that's in here. Maybe not necessarily probably... from his congregation, but just anybody in general. Uh, you'll, I mean, you'll recognize some of the people. You'll probably see Hannah Russell. She's one of the dancers. You don't see her sister, Sarah, who's, who's also a dancer. I'm not sure where she's at. 
And you'll also see John Fales, he's a regular at the Red Rock, in addition to Diamond Dave, of course. And there's also Stretch the Bouncer, he's kind of He's kind of going back and forth. He stands out because it doesn't really look like a bouncer. He's quite he's quite tall and willowy and, and very pretty for a bouncer. <laughs> but uh, but he's there as well. There's also a woman who you've never seen before sitting at one of these barrel tables. She has smooth, coppery skin, very well-tailored clothes, and she's wearing a very strange-looking medallion around her neck, and you've never seen her in town. She's hmm. she just she just blew in. Hmm. So what do you do? There's also, I'll tell you, there's also the hallway that connects up to the dance hall portion, which you can certainly go to as well. Interesting. Well, I think he's, hmm, he knows he's supposed to be here. I think he was interested in seeing the bodies and seeing if, because maybe see if he can get some information that way. But he also was interested in talking to maybe some people here who might have seen something. So I think maybe if he knows you said John pretty well, he might go up and talk to John first. That sounds good. John is, John fails. He's a regular, tall and muscular, round head, bristly five o'clock shadow. He's normally a day laborer, but apparently not today. He is a fixture (laughs) at the Red Rock. And he says, Reverend Potter, I certainly didn't expect to see you in the Red Rock. Good morning, John. I was, uh, I heard... There might be uh, some things that were troubling some people here, so thought I'd stop by. He says, "Well, uh, there's never, never no trouble at the at the, at the at the Red Rock. I mean, there's nothing like there's nothing like a show here. I tell you what, these have got to be the prettiest girls this side of the Rio Grande. They're real nice too. You'd think fine ladies like that wouldn't want to have anything to do with a clod kicker like me, but they're as friendly as can be. And he's kind of going on like this for a little bit. Uh huh." If he if he is a regular, if something he would he should know about something going on here. What do you do to get yeah. him to open up a little more? You got to be careful, Jason, because these players fall in love with literally anyone with a southern accent. This so. <laughs> <laughs> is gonna be a this is gonna be a tough campaign, <laughs> a tough one shot. Hmm. You could also do your confession move too. This might yeah, be like I was just gonna move. say, would my confession move apply here? What what is uh, John talked to me about in the past? Maybe. Oh, very good, very good. Yeah, this could give you your way in. Okay, so the move specifically says you may ask you the keeper what they said in their last confession. You can answer, or you can make someone else answer. Oh, okay, very good. I'll answer. He did recently confess to you that he's actually in love with the bouncer. The whole thing with the dance girls. That's Whoa. just a that's just a fright. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why he's all like real. You know, real hey, the yeah. prettiest girls this side of the Rio Grande. So great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and but hmm. he's definitely he's you can definitely see him like occasionally glancing over a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Anyway, you think about that. Let's check in on Max and Jack, who now join us. Max, you're probably a much more regular fixture at the Red Rock than Reverend Potter. Oh yes, is. I was actually about to say, <laughs> um, from oh. my uh from my dwelling where, you know, I usually buy rooms to entertain room. I think I definitely entertain out of the, uh, oh, yeah. the Red I'm sure Rock they quite a, a bit. I'm sure they got a room at the on the second room. story of the dance hall. Yeah, yeah. Well, I probably choose your establishment uh, sometimes too, but uh, <laughs> it just depends on the clientele. <laughs> Lola will actually come and meet you, Max, as well as mm-hmm. everybody else from the Visions Committee. She'll make herself known. She's the co-owner of the Red Rock along with Diamond Dave, and she's definitely much more like the actual like business person here. In fact, Miranda, she's not quite your equal when it comes to business in town, but she's really damn close. Mm-hmm. I respect her more than I respect Dave. Absolutely, she's much more. So I, I would nod if I saw her respectfully. Yeah. Absolutely, she sees you, and she, you know, she has gray hair, framing a surprisingly youthful face. Uh, she's wearing a turquoise dress with gold detail, and she's very, very like stiff and measured in her movements, very controlled. And she comes up to Max Maximilian, and she says. Thank you, Mr. Conrad, all of you, for, for coming to um, help us out with our little problem. I would be happy to take you wherever you need to go if you if the committee needs access to more private parts of the cantina. And Max is just nodding, and he just says, um, Well, uh, yes, of course, Miss Lola. We, uh, we would only be happy to help such a fine establishment as the Red Rock. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, go on. No, please, Jack, you can interject. interject. Yeah, go for it. I think he's sort of nodding distractedly, going like, oh yes, yes, of course. And, but he's drifting, he's drifting past them because 
he has noticed the bar and he has a physical body now and <laughs> he, enjoy, he enjoys a drink when he's able, which is a very rare occurrence. So he's going oh he's going straight for the bar. He doesn't even know if this if these pockets have money in them at all. He's just going hoping that uh, he's gonna he's determined he's gonna get a drink somehow. Oh I think Diamond gosh. Dave Diamond Dave like steps away from Miranda and says, Jack Walker, you want a drink? <laughs> and he, I look over mm. when I hear this as well. And he looks at, and I was actually going to say, I was like, he didn't, previously he wouldn't have struck me as a drinker, but uh, he looks at, he looks at Dave and he goes, it's one of the closest things to heaven on God's green earth. And, (laughs) and, and. The reverend might have some things to say about that. (laughs) This, this, this attitude is very different, I think, from. Oh, he pours you a drink and he sets it down. And he and maybe Miranda, I don't know, and some other people, they all like get real close to like watch you drink this. Like. (laughs) And I think he, he, this is like the most slowly measured savoring of every sip drink you've ever seen. This is like, <laughs> I I am like, there are perks to this job and this is one of them right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think done, I'm actually gonna yeah. go over to him. Uh, yeah. And I'm gonna be like, you all right, Jay? Me, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excellent. What, what, what are you talking about? Uh, never mind. <laughs> Max is gonna elbow the reverend, and he's just gonna say, uh, "I knew it." Knew what? Knew what? Nobody is that far above partaking of the finer things. And uh, I, I think after he just he just sets the drink down as if nothing is different whatsoever, and and walks right back and clears his throat. <clears> throat> uh, now to the uh, business in hand. This uh, these uh, these bodies, yes. <laughs> You're not supposed to say Diamond, that in front of people. Diamond Dave says, Shh, "Keep your voice down, Jack Walker." <laughs> I, I, what the word? Oh, oh, right. Yes, yes. All right. Lola is gonna take you two, pointing to Miranda and Max, to the other side of the establishment, so you can go look at the corset and whatever else you want to look at. He's like, "You come around this side, Jack, since you're so into booze. Suddenly, come around here. The root cellar entrance is right beneath the bar, and." And then Reverend Potter, you're still talking to to John Fails. So what's your uh, way in with John here? Yeah, so actually I was thinking before uh, before Jack walks off, I kind of a way to tie this in. I think he says, uh, Mr. Walker, uh, I saw your uh, your boy out in the street earlier. Everything, uh, he looked a little upset. Is everything all right at home? Well, you see, he, he rather, rather surprised me this morning. I... Uh, I, I must I must have scared him I I, I didn't mean to honestly but uh, I he just he, he ran out the, I wasn't sure what to do I didn't want to pull him back or be rough with him so I I, I thought for sure he would uh, return when he was ready and this is he's 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 reaching for <laughs> he's reaching for reasons because he doesn't he's know six. He's six. <laughs> yes, but he he's reaching for reasons. I think, in fact, I think I might, I might interrupt. Uh, it's going to create a little problem for Jack here. Oh the boy. rest of you can go slink off to investigate while Jack deals yeah, with this. It, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, Temperance Boone shows up. She's oh, standing. No. She's, <laughs> yeah, the rest of us escape. She's oh standing in the doorway of the cantina, and she says, Jack Walker. And we'll... <laughs> We'll cut away from that. Reverend Potter, do you make a do you make a hasty exit, Reverend Potter? Well, I'm still trying to fish for some information from John. Uh, you can probably how, you can you can deal with John Fails. I think that's fine. Yeah, how I was kind of thinking of tying that in is uh maybe before right before Temperance comes in, he looks at uh Jack, but then looks at John and says, Well, you know, we just gotta make sure we're looking after the ones that we care about. And then he flashes his eyes over at Stretch and back to John. Oh, good. Hmm. Uh, I'm gonna let you do the information move. The information okay. move says... Oh, boy. The information move says, when you search for a clue, conduct research, or otherwise gather information, which is kind of what you're doing, describe yeah. how you're doing so, you've done that, and roll with an appropriate ability. I think it's probably with... Uh, I think it's presence, because you're kind of like... you're. You're kind of like 
Yeah, this is definitely presence. You're, you're sort of like using your personality to get under his skin. Yeah. Okay. You're going to roll with presence 2d6, and let's see how you do. Ooh. I rolled a nine, so plus one is a ten. Nice. You'll get your clue. We'll come back to that in a moment. Let's check okay. in on Max and Miranda. Are, I take it two of you are going to follow Lola Navas to the other side of the the bigger side of the establishment. The canteen is actually yeah. quite small. So. Mm-hmm. There's a hallway that connects the two large areas, or the two main areas. The hallways that connect the cantina, the dance hall, and indeed the apartments once you get there are always dark, and they always have a lingering smell of booze. And the sounds of San Francisco Street right, out, uh, right outside penetrate the thin walls. Let's paint the scenes a bit, everyone. Faded posters glued to the walls advertise the nightlife of old El Paso. Describe one of the acts or venues now long gone. I think there's an old, like, an old freak show poster. Nice. I think there is a poster for someone that does tricks with fire, like juggling uh, fire, breathing fire, that kind of thing. I think in uh, very ornate writing on a poster is a act of a, it was a knife throwing act. It was one of those where, you know, you, you, you spin the, you, one of the person spins the crank wheel and tries to throw the knives. Sometimes if you're a brave audience member, you can be tied onto the wheel and spun with it. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. I think there is a uh, old poster for a traveling circus that came through town at one point. Nice. But stayed for like a good while and then left. So there's, you know, plenty of posters around. Fantastic. You get to the dance hall portion of the establishment, which right now is nothing. There's nothing going on because it's daytime. But it's filled with small tables and chairs. Typically, all but the first row of the tables and chairs are cleared, uh, especially on busy standing room only nights. There is a large main stage. A red velvet curtain is closed during the day, but at night, you know it's open to reveal a set decorated like a lady's boudoir. There's also a second fully stocked bar near the rear of the dance hall, (laughs) uh, which is also open on busy nights. And then there's the stairs behind the main stage, uh, which are the only way up to the second floor where the apartments are. Lola will leave you, Maximilian, to whatever you're gonna whatever you're gonna look into, however you want to approach this. You have the run of the place as you wish. Miranda, she's gonna take you straight upstairs to go see the corset. So yeah, hmm. I think uh, Maximilian would just like kind of nod to Lola and just say, uh, "I'd uh, I'd like to question your uh, pretty ladies, just see if they might know uh, any any details that might help." She's like, well, I mean, you can follow us upstairs and you can go talk to, I think, I think Sarah's upstairs. She's, she's real bent out of shape about what happened to Luann. Um, but she might, she might have seen something or know something that would be helpful. I hate to think that, uh, I never thought the wounded knight would affect our establishment like this, but I guess I was a fool not to think that it would touch us eventually one of these years. <sighs> she kind of huffs and yeah, she'll, she'll take you up. We'll talk about the apartments in a bit. I want to check in with Reverend Potter. John fails. He says, Reverend Potter, I feel real guilty. Real, real guilty. He puts a hand on John's shoulder. I know what happened to, to Miss Pina. I, I know that she's the piano player. You know you know who she is, of course. I I know that she's dead. But, and, and I think, I think maybe, I think maybe I had something to do with it. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> I asked her I asked her to write to write a song for me, a love song that I could give to, well, you know who, but secretly like, you know. Of course. And well, <sighs> she was in the middle of singing that song to me when she well, I don't I can't even really talk about it. It's so horrible to even think about. But she just kind of froze. She seized up. Her eyes looked like they were about to bulge out of her head, and and her tongue got all swollen. And her, it was it was horrible. Do do you think it was? Do you think it was like? Do you think I I, I cursed her or something? Do you think something about the song did this? And this is your clue. He's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> but it is a clue. That Marta yeah. was writing a song, mm-hmm. a love song. Mm-hmm. So it might, it okay. might be relevant. Mm. Might be relevant. Okay. 
So if somebody wants to note that on the tab where it says threats, if you scroll down, there's a little section for clues. If somebody will just note the clue. Um, Andrew, you want to be yeah, our note taker? I can do that. Yep. Okay. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. And uh, there's other people in the cantina. There's that strange woman who's wearing mm-hmm. fancy clothes. Uh, Diamond Dave is still there. There's also some, also some other people. And there's also Temperance. She says, Jack Walker. <laughs> I should have known. I should have known I could find you in a place like this. I can't imagine why you would want to treat that poor boy in such a horrible, cold-hearted way if not for the drink. And I was right. I thought you were a better man than this Jack Walker, but I see that your teetotaling was just an act. In fact, you can't handle the responsibilities that have landed on your doorstep. And now you have to bury your sorrows and drink. This is the devil's way, Jack Walker. And not only that, (laughs) not only is it the devil's way, but this, you have hurt that little boy. He's the sweetest little boy, and he loves you so much, and you can't even, well, I don't know what you did. He won't talk. But I know you. whatever you did, it was horrible and cold-hearted. If only you could love people as much as you love a piece of hot iron. I think he, he looks at her very perplexed because he has no earthly or otherwise idea of who this person is. And <laughs> uh, with that line she said about, this is the devil's way, I think he, he looks all of a sudden, he looks at her very sharply and just says in the most probably more seriously than she's maybe ever heard him speak. He, he, he like, he gestures around the room. He's like, the devil has a way, ma'am, but this this is not it. I like I like this speech. Some I think claps. this is good. <laughs> I I was gonna make you roll the day move to keep your composure here, but I like how you've handled it. And so she, <laughs> instead, she just says, "Very well. Well, if you ever if you want to come collect that boy from my place, you can certainly do that. I will do my best to alleviate his sorrowful heart. And I hope, no, I pray that you will someday." be able to find space for him in your own heart. And she turns and I'm going to give you a condition to memorialize this scene. <laughs> okay. Called, Wonderful. Uh, it's just going to be very simple, marked by marked by temperance, meaning we, we can interpret that however we want, but <laughs> marked by in a very literal sense, she's paying attention she's paying attention to you. Got it. But also, there's a there's a more play on words version of it meaning of it too Uh yeah okay but you can continue the investigation now as you wish let me just see where everybody's going to be at so jack you're going to go look at the bodies correct uh yes i was thinking of doing so after this interaction yeah (laughs) reverend potter are you going to like go talk to anybody else in the cantina yeah i think actually i'm going to talk to the woman i didn't recognize after i kind of finished consoling john okay good (laughs) i like that Miranda, we know what you're doing. And Max, you are going to be going to the apartments. Okay, this is great. We love yeah. this. Yeah. Let's talk about... We are all split up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll end with Lola and Diamond Dave's apartment and office. It's actually two bedrooms with a shared office between them. Blue brocade wallpaper on the walls. Everything is polished to a high shine. Let's paint the scene, everyone. Looking around, how do we know business is good? Hmm... Mm. Hmm. There's just fat stacks on the desk. (laughs) (laughs) Not even in the safe. The ceiling is like, uh, not gold plated, but painted with like that, like, uh, gold, uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Like the gold painted ceilings. I know what you're talking about. It's actually like, yeah. I can imagine it. It's got like gilded molding. The gilded molding, uh, yeah, yeah. crown molding. yeah. Yeah. Okay. They have like a a brand new like solid hardwood desk that's like polished really nice and it's got like a bunch of just brand new business wear i don't know what to say like it's got like a nice like ink pen you know it's got you know sheaves of paper like it's just a very well put together desk along with the fat stacks along with the fat stacks yeah (laughs) yep correct me if i'm wrong but i believe this is the proper time time frame is they have a drifting through the room uh, is the music of a, a fairly new a wireless a radio oh that would be very yeah they very, have a lot very, of money then very, yeah. very, they have fat stacks yeah. what are they spending it on mm. a new radio yeah <laughs> quite quite a scene 
Lola takes you to a little back room that connects to the office, a little nook, really. And she says, This is the damnedest thing, Miranda. After Luann's death, we took that corset off of her and we burned it. We burned it because we could see what it had been done with it. We thought maybe someone used it as some sort of bizarre murder weapon, but even just holding it in your hands, it felt incredibly evil. We burned it and then it showed up again. It showed up when Sylvester was found. It was showed up again when poor Marta, when her blood hardened in her veins. Each time we tried to get rid of it, we dropped it down a well. Hell, Diamond Dave, he got on a horse and rode it out of town, miles and miles. But it always ends up right back here. And she opens up a locked wardrobe and you see the corset. It is well-made, covered in burgundy satin with fine black lace details. Miranda, as the wardrobe is opened, what changes in the room? I think it feels like half the oxygen has been sucked out of the room. Like it's just like a little harder to breathe. It's kind of subtle, but it just, it feels like you can't catch your breath. That's so good. Nice. At first it's subtle and we'll end on this. Lola clutches at her chest. (gasps) Oh my. Miranda. Miranda! And that'll end our second hour. Oh my god! Man! Wow! Okay. Oh, it's so good!